damn it. I'm going to have to go to YouTube and watch some Teletubbies. Uh, you're not actually going to YouTube to watch Teletubbies. Let's see. Let's see if we can search, like, what best What the hell did I stir up? <laughs> Teletubbies. Oh, there's the best of Teletubbies 2017. There you go. Wait, wait. They're still on? Wait, wait, wait. This looks animated or some shit. What the hell? Wait, animated Teletubbies? It still exists? It looks like really terrible computer graphics. Like... Wait, why the fuck is Shrek here? I don't... Is this even real? Like season one of South Park terrible? No, this can't be. This has to be fake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this is. Wait, no. <laughs> You're the one who's searching for Teletubbies and wondering why I some know. weird shit's Wait. coming up. I, this is literally the first result. And this this can't be real. This can't be the real show. <laughs> what the crap? No, no. Yeah, no. This, is, this isn't real. This is... Like ragdoll physics, Shrek mixed in with the orange Teletubby. Oh no! Somebody whipped out a shotgun. This is totally not. <laughs> it, it took you to get to the shotgun with the Teletubby with the crowbar beating the shit out of a radio wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, that the shotgun was was the. Oh, that that was the killer. Was that was the sign? Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Brian and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? That was much better. And Mike Bradley. Damn it, I was I was gonna say it was better. <laughs> I mean you can still say it too. I you know, I was it just, you know, I'm I'm trying to follow that and say something and it just didn't damn it. <laughs> Sorry, I stole your thunder. I apologize. Can't believe I'm getting Judged by my intro now. This sucks. Well, you've set a you've set a precedent. You you've set the bar. Yeah, it, we're we, not, we've seen good and we've seen bad. We're not <laughs> judging you by the intro. We're just judging the intro. <laughs> the, yeah, the quality of the yeah, intro. Yeah, we like we, we we love you either way, man. It's just you know sometimes you got to get that rolling on the p in there. Then <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Maybe. I think it, it, it's it, there somewhere. Enough. <laughs> if you dig, you'll find yeah, it. Yeah, it's fruit, there. Fruit by the foot. <laughs> uh, all right, so on the show this week, uh, we're going to talk about a few trailers that dropped over the last week. Uh, most of them debuted during the Super Bowl. Um, there was one that came out a few days before that we'll talk about, and actually one that came out today that we're going to add on to also. Um, we're not going to talk about all the trailers that dropped over the weekend. We picked a few movies that we want to talk about and kept them to the longer trailers instead of the 30 second TV spots that were shown during the, the, uh, the Super Bowl. Um, so yes, we will acknowledge that there was a 30 second commercial for Avengers Infinity War, but it was only 30 seconds, not a lot to dig into. And I think, you know, we're still all very excited for that. So there's no reason to really try to dig into that. I don't think, um, Plus, with Black Panther coming out within a week, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a full trailer. And if we get a full trailer, I'm sure we can try to talk about that one. But And plus, we have, I mean, between the other four or five that we're going to talk about, I think this episode might be long enough with those. So we're going to stick to that. And we'll get the um, mix in from the full trailer and the post credit scene on Black Panther. 
right. see how that yeah. plays. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer. That was the one that came out before the Super Bowl. Uh, during the Super Bowl, we got trailers for Solo, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, the late edition that came out today was we get a new trailer for Deadpool 2. Uh, so we'll talk about those in no particular order, and I'll probably ask these guys, uh, really, which trailer should we start with? Any, any, anything we want to, I don't even know. So what, what piqued your interest enough that you want to, you want to start with first? It, for me, the one that stood out the most was Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic Park. Um, I went That's from. That's actually what I was going to say. too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for, for me, I feel like after the first trailer, I wasn't all that hyped to see it. And I feel like after watching. Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because the first trailer was just like, hey, they're running away from a volcano. Fuck me. This is a, this is the whole entire movie. That's the plot. That's Well, that's what they led you to believe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't excite me. Now, I really want to see this movie. Now, I'm actually much more excited to see what's coming. And, of course, there's some sort of new dinosaur that we don't really get a good look at. Again, as always, there's new dinosaurs turning <laughs> up. Um, they have to do it. I don't know why they have to do it, but they have to do it. Um, I mean, I guess a T-Rex just isn't interesting enough anymore. and But raptors are, so I don't know. That, well, the T-Rex, I feel like, has to save the show. Like, that's that's the hero of these movies, so they have to have the T-Rex. Give the T-Rex something to fight. Yeah, I feel like that's just... I don't know how I feel about that when they do that all the time. It works. I mean, <laughs> those are those are the highlights of the movies, a lot of them. I mean, the Spinosaurus in 3 just kind of snapped its neck and tossed it aside like fucking wet trash. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah, and then I think uh, Jurassic World then raised the bar again for the T-Rex to be like, nope, this is the one. Don't fuck with this one. I don't know, though, because it's still the water thing, the Mosasaur, that ends up killing it. Oh, I guess that's true. You know? So, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think three, 3 tried to lead you to believe, like, there was a new badass dinosaur in town. But I feel like Jurassic World brought it back around to the T-Rex again. So, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to one-up each other in all these movies. Could be. So, one thing I definitely noticed about this trailer... The kid that is uh, with, um, what's her name, Bryce Dallas Howard, Uh um, is screaming throughout the entire trailer. (laughs) I feel like... wouldn't you? Uh, Well, yeah, but, like, like, one of those, like, annoying Chris Tucker Fifth Element type (laughs) screams, you know? so I'm wondering if that's not going to be like a thing they're they're going to try and do the the whole thing like he's going to be like the screamer, you know. <sighs> it'll be funny the first two or three times. After that it'll get old. Yeah, and based on this trailer I'm I'm kind of going towards the old <laughs> side of that. <laughs> you know, but thinking about that I I already look forward to the YouTube videos made up replacing the kid with Daniel Stern's scream and <laughs> from home alone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just replace every screen with that one, and I'll be fine with it. Better yet, just CG in Chris Tucker from Fifth Element. <laughs> I'd I'd watch that mashup too. Yeah, it, it it could be 
there's some potential there for some good jokes about it in the future. <laughs> um, we did actually. We talked about the the first trailer that came out for this, right? I think we talked about that on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys said the the first trailer didn't really do it for you, right? No, because it just looks like they're trying to save dinosaurs from a volcano. That yeah. looked like that was the entire plot of the movie. Yeah, I think from I think uh some somewhere I saw I thought I saw that somebody I think it was Trevorrow who directed the first Jurassic World but is like producing this one. Um I think he he said that the first trailer was showing nothing from the second half of the movie. Okay. I I can see that now. So, um yeah, as long as he was telling the truth and uh, cuz I think even this trailer hints at a little bit, uh, I think, that, that where the story is going after they leave the island and presumably save some of these dinosaurs. And it definitely lends a little bit more... It, it, I got, like, a Lost World vibe from it. Yeah, last 30 like minutes bringing of bringing dinosaurs Lost into World. the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's good or bad, because that, that section of the Lost World movie, I really don't like. Yeah, it fell flat. You wouldn't think so, a Tyrannosaur rampaging through San Diego could fall flat, but it did. Right, right. I didn't mind it so much. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of logic gaps in that, that part of the story. You know, oh, it but just the, seems like... The special effects are really cool, actually watching the T-Rex go through San Diego. Yeah, causing that kind of destruction and stuff like that is fun. And I'm hoping they maybe find a better way to do that in this movie. Because it's, I don't know, it just... To me, I felt like Lost World was ready to end, and then it's like, oh, you know what? We need a 30-minute sequence of the T-Rex getting loose in San Diego. Let's throw that on the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it felt tacked on, I guess, not as much integral to the story as I thought it should be. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. I think the first trailer didn't really sell me. This one did look better. I'm still a little skeptical about where this is going to go and what this story is, because I don't really know many other places they can take these stories with, with a bunch of dinosaurs? I think the the overall uh, antagonist, is, it, it seems to me like they're going for the uh, corrupt, greedy uh, owners, you know, making all these new dinosaurs to try and get more money. And the whatnot. Same. So there's some sort of conspiracy thing going on there. It seemed to me from this Watching the first one and then watching the second trailer. That's well, here's the... the thing, and I can't remember if I brought this up before. There, um, I think back before Jurassic World was Jurassic World, they were trying to get Jurassic Park four off the ground, and I think at that point Sam Neill was still attached to be in that movie. And then what you know, it got stuck in development hell. The movie didn't get made, and then they changed their direction and stuff like that. But there was concept art that had leaked, I think, from directions they were going and rumors of what that plot could be. If I remember right, some of it involved like the dinosaur sequencing and DNA stuff sort of going open source and like open to the highest bidder, which ended up being like military installations. And then they start like crossbreeding humans and dinosaur DNA and they get all these dinosaur human hybrids that they try to train as soldiers and shit like this. Oh, yeah, I remember talking about this. Mm-hmm. Now we get glimpses of of that kind of undertone in Jurassic World. There's Vincent D'Onofrio's character who wants to use dinosaurs as a military, you know, soldiers for military operations and that kind of thing. That's why they're trying. To, that's his ultimate goal to train these things. And I still get that kind of vibe a little bit from this trailer. 
I feel like there's there's definitely some sort of military undertone with these trying to use these dinosaurs for something like that. Now, whether or not I'm just reading into it because of this past concept that they may be revisiting or not, but that's that's sort of if they go that route, I don't know if I'm going to like that. But I don't know. That's that's me reading into the trailer, I guess. I feel like don't get me wrong. I I really did like Jurassic World a lot. I didn't have a problem with it. But I had hoped in some way, shape, or form that they had done a reboot instead of a sequel. Um, okay. Because I feel like The Lost World and 3 really lost the narrative that they could have continued with. And if they had gone for a reboot, they could have told some really cool stories and perhaps vastly improved upon the CGI that we had back then and versus what we have now, as opposed to being more constricted to the original look and having to match it in some way. But also, there's part of me that's always wanted to see the first... Eh, I want to say it's probably the first 30 to 50 pages of the first Jurassic Park book. I'd say probably around 30, where the raptors are kind of hunting people in the Central American rainforest. They got, like, loose away from the island, and, you know, they're over there. And the, the okay. Central American government knows about it, but doesn't want to tell anyone kind of thing. And they're trying to, like, capture them and kill them, get them off the island, all that, because Hammond's paying them off. That kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Like that to me was a really cool intro to the movie. It added some it would add some mystery. So you know I mean some cool shit like that that they could have done a reboot and gone more direct into the story the book told. Because yeah. I feel like the book was much more much more in depth interested in the genetics of it. Mm. And I think that taking that route I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how they would do with it. To give it a more serious tone instead of a more, you know, spectacle tone. I mean, this, I feel like this trailer definitely feels like it's taking itself seriously. I think it's, it's at least from the trailer, it's cut, I feel like, to be more of a scary movie than I think any of the other Jurassic Park movies have felt. Oh, yeah. The the scene with the girl on her bed while the dinosaurs creeping up on her. You're yeah. Like, uh, wow. Okay. This is some, some serious, uh, like, thriller suspense overtones. Mm hmm. It's, yeah. It's got a little bit of that monster movie feel to it. Yeah. yeah. I think Jurassic Park's been missing that. So I'm hoping it's there. Yeah. The and first it's movie did a pretty good job of that. And you know what? The second movie, when they were in the. Uh, the whole scene when they're the T Rexes attack them because they take the baby T Rex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like pushing them off the cliff. Really, yeah, really, really suspenseful and an awesome scene. I think that scene for me might have uh I don't want to say resurrected, but saved the movie for me. There's yeah, there's a lot going on in that scene, but it's so well shot and like you're totally aware of everything that's going on. Like Eddie's trying to secure the the RV and pull it back up the cliff and they're in the RV trying to hang on for dear life as it's going over the edge. Yeah. And all the while there's two T-Rexes coming around. Like that's that's a fucking great sequence. Mm-hmm. I actually remember 
I want to say it's on the extras from the like special edition DVD where they go over that whole storyboard where they, I mean, it's drawn out just like you would expect like a comic and like it's like yeah. scene for scene what they shot in the movie and it, I mean, they played it out like this has to happen and this has to happen and it's really good in the way they did that. I'm hoping there's a scene like that in the new movie. So maybe not like that, but something that there's always a scene in the Jurassic Park movies that should stick with you more than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, Name one in three. In three? Yeah. When the um, Spinosaur bursts through the fence, they think they're all safe, and they're just kind of standing there like, oh, good, and then they hear the phone, and he, you know, it's because he ate the guy that had the phone. Okay, okay, all right. I, I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that one. I don't... To me, that doesn't stand out as much. I'm I'm thinking like, like the RV sequence is a big sequence. Oh yeah, there's you could name three or four sequences like that in the first Jurassic Park. Jurassic World, I think, has some really good sequences too. Three is largely forgettable for me. The pterodactyls uh, was kind of big too in three. I was gonna say the pterodactyl, the bird cage is pretty awesome. I thought. Uh, see, I totally kind of forgot about that until you just said something now. I, I mean, three so is definitely good or bad. more forgettable than the others, without a doubt. I just, I, I I think it still has its sequence. I mean, Jurassic World, the, I don't know, sticks out to me, and that one is going to be Chris Pratt with the Raptors and training them, and then he drops in and has to like hold them off and actually manages to escape with his life. Um, yeah, it, like he acted that so well, and the fear you could see on his face, but it, like it was actually just something that stuck with me immediately um i don't know i i'm hoping this one has something yeah all right so i think we're we're all sort of looking forward to this more than we were before so this trailer essentially did its job oh yes indeed successful trailer all right uh one down four to go um i think mike picked the first one andy do you want to pick the next one Let's do Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So this will be, what, the first Marvel movie that I think that's going to come out after Infinity War? Yes. Right? This one's out in July, so that's two months after Infinity War in May. Um, all right, so Andy, we'll start with you. What did, what stood out to you about this trailer? What did you like? Uh, I thought it was awesome seeing uh, Evangeline Lilly in her Wasp costume. And, I feel like that that costume's getting a lot of shit too. Yeah, and the, desi- I, the design of it, I think. Yeah, and I really like the interactions between uh, Paul Rudd and um, Evangeline Lilly. I think they they still have kind of like that uh, smolder going on there. <laughs> smolder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anything else? I can't think of anything. I might uh, whatever. You- you guys say I might add on to, but I can't okay. really come up with anything else. Uh, Mike, anything to add? Um, a few things struck me in the trailer. One, it it had. I hope what I hope isn't the best joke in the movie. When he asks her if like why does she get lasers? Did they always have that? And she's like, "Well, we just didn't give them to you." <laughs> kind of like that whole yeah. interaction was very good. Um. 
Ant-Man truly becomes giant man. Um, it looks like he, from one very short snippet there in the trailer, that he's even bigger than he went in Civil War. Um, which, for the character, is fitting. Because yeah. you know, there's times at which, in the canon, where he becomes building size, not just, you know, maybe 20 feet tall, but more like 100 feet tall. And I think it looks like he's going to be roughly that size from the trailer, but it's tough to really tell exactly how big they're making him out to be at that. Um, and all around, it just looks like they are having a lot more fun in this trailer with making stuff bigger and smaller. Um, it, yeah, that was a big takeaway for me, too. It just seems like all the stuff that they shrunk and made bigger in the first one, they're just, you know, timesing it by 10 in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool to see them uh, shrink the building and then take it like a tall, long luggage. <laughs> yeah. The logistics of that, like, don't make sense. Like, is the handle always in the building? So does it get really big when the building's big? Like, are there actually wheels underneath the building ready to go when this thing is real life size? It's Hank Pym. Just but let it you, go. Yeah, you can't, you can't think about that too much. Uh but I, even even the sequence where the they're in the van driving away from people and the van shrinks and then it gets bigger and pops that other van on off to, off like to the side and like rolls it over I thought that was really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the snippet they show us of um, Wasp dodging knives while she's flying. Yeah, that was pretty slick. Yes, it it really looks like they they went all out this time with this film and. I don't know. It just... It seems like they got more creative this time. Yeah, I think the first one was testing how to do these types of visual effects of shrinking and growing things. And now that they got it in the bag, it's like, alright, well, so what else can we use it on? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, and I think this being the first one out of the gate after Infinity War, it'll be interesting to see like where they put it in the timeline. Like, does yeah, it I was gonna fit ask that. before Infinity War, directly after? I don't, I don't know where they're going to put it, but it'll be... I feel like it has to be before. That's the only thing that would make sense to me. Because I feel like, and this is just me speculating still, but I think Infinity War is going to have such a big fallout that it's not going to get resolved until Avengers 4 comes out. So the two movies in between have to be set in different different places in the timeline to make sense because I don't think you can go from the type of fallout that I expect from Infinity War and then go to a happy fun movie like Ant-Man and the Wasp in between these two movies. I agree. I I, I think that that's the only timeline issue I think that Marvel will have is because of separating Infinity War into two separate movies. Yeah. I think it'll confuse some people that can't follow it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. You know, they could have. Yeah, like what if Ant Man dies in Infinity War? <laughs> then it's like the movie comes out right after that, and people are like, "No, he's dead." What the hell? I would hope they're not that silly. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm just that's that's the extreme, but I think I'm 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 more talking about the uh, lack of common sense of the general movie going audience that they wouldn't be able to put that together that this might take place. Not as a direct sequel to the Infinity War, but just somewhere else in the timeline. Mm-hmm. 
and I think, well, I think it's a good thing if it's before. I also think it's a bad thing because it's a chance to further the plot of Infinity War with a movie that they could have put outside of it if it's not furthering the plot of Infinity War. Um, well, I feel like it runs the risk of, like, because Infinity War, again, just from the little bit that we've seen, seems like such a big event. Because where where does Ant-Man take place? Is he in New York with everybody else? Or is he somewhere else? Is he, is he California? Yeah, I think that was California. Okay, so maybe it does make sense. Yeah, because I think he's around San Francisco or mm-hmm. something. All right, so if all the big shit's happening in New York, I guess it makes sense that he wouldn't be directly involved if he's on the other side of the, of the country. I guess you could sort of get away with that. Have we but seen... it still runs the risk of... Uh, sorry, Andy, what? Have we seen Paul Rudd in any of the previous trailers? No. No. Uh, but he is listed on the cast. But... I mean, at this point, I assume anyone that is in a Marvel movie shows up for either Infinity War or Avengers 4. I just don't know which... We don't know which ones they're going to pop into at this point. Okay. Yeah, or how extensive... You know what I mean? Like, right. and that's the thing with like we. I think we've said several times with him being Ant Man, he could be in any one of those scenes, and we just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's plausible him being across the country that he might not know, or might. Well, he'll know, but I'm thinking like if it's happening in between those two movies, it's really more important that it furthers the plot of what happens between them or what's going on during that time. Yeah, I think more more likely, I think the, the way that probably makes sense to me is that Ant-Man will not be in Infinity War. Infinity War maybe just happens so quickly that he just doesn't have time to get over there, but in Ant-Man and the Wasp, at the very end of that movie, you'll see him and Wasp recognize what is happening and realize they need to go help. And the end of the movie will probably be them going off to join everybody else, and then you, the next time you see them will be in Avengers 4. Yeah. So almost like Ant-Man and the Wasp happens concurrently with Infinity War. Okay. I could see that They're happening at the same time, Then they're releasing them out close enough to one another that that's plausible. Right. Now, what is next after Ant-Man? Isn't it Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel would be in March or something like that, I think. So they're going from July all the way through to March. Or no, they wait, they might have some in November, but now I can't think about what's out in November. Because they normally do about three a year. Well, that would be three. Black Panther. Infinity oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. That one. Yeah, I... I now you got me second-guessing. I was pretty sure it's just Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel in between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4. And I think Captain Marvel is, like, very early next year. I want to say February or March. And then Avengers 4 would be May of 2019. Right. Well, I I, I think with only two movies in between, it'll have to be something that ties in in some way. Yeah. Like, whatever. Because even, I mean, like, Captain Marvel is going to be in between there, too, but... Rumors for her movie is going to be it's that it's set during the '90s, so it has nothing to do with whatever's going on in Infinity War. So, well, it's it's that setting can up, get away with that. It, like from what I understood with hers was that yeah, it was going to take place during that time to set her up as a character to bring into in Avengers Four. 
So that, yeah. you know, there's an explanation as to why there's this Omega-powered person showing up to help save the day. Right. Um, so, I guess it's a wait and see on that one. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know when we'll get a trailer for that. Maybe, maybe by Infinity War we might finally see a trailer for Captain Marvel. Maybe. The first set um, shots just started coming out. I've seen people posting um like the first pictures of her in uniform oh yeah they're all pissed because it's blue and green and not yeah blue and red does anyone realize that green is what they use for special effects well it's also that exact suit looks kind of like a cree military suit and that's where she would have been fighting is with the cree because that's captain the original captain marvel who hands her I can the see mantle that too. was Cree. Well, I'd seen people like photoshopping the picture, like taking all the green spots and just coloring it red. It's like that's probably what they're doing in post production anyway. <laughs> people don't care about that. So I really hope I really hope when the movie hits or when there's an actual trailer that it's, it shows that same costume, but the color scheme has just changed <laughs> in post. I just want to stick it to all these fucking people that are like, oh the set photos are showing this. Just wait till the fucking movie comes out, goddammit. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I agree with you guys. I think this looks fun. I think, uh, I, I like that the tone feels the same as the first one because it still feels a little bit different, I think, than the other Marvel movies that they've made. This, among other ones, like, definitely gives me that sense of fun. I think, you know, some of the other ones go outside the box and Ragnarok, I felt like, seemed pretty fun too. But I don't know, this feels like a different kind of fun, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. I know what you mean. Okay. I, I can't articulate it the way it's the same I way the to first make myself Ant-Man smart, was a different but... kind of fun. It didn't feel like right, a superhero okay. movie. It felt like a heist yeah. movie with a superhero. So I don't know I don't know what sort of like subgenre this will fall into. I don't know if it's going to be another heist movie or not, but I uh, I would doubt it. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know where it's going to what you know where it'll land if they're if they're looking for like a genre like that to hit. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. I I really enjoyed the first Ant-Man, so this has been on my radar for a while. So I am excited for this one. Um, you guys got any other thoughts for this trailer? I'll move on to the next one. Nothing? Okay. Nope. Um, Andy picked that one. Mike, uh, you got three more to choose from. Um, but You know what? Let's go to Han Solo. Let's, let's do the Solo okay. trailer. So this is one that I know we were all kind of worried maybe maybe i'm the one that was worried about was it It made worried. mike it made your list right your your top 10 it did, it did. um yeah a- after so this I think... trailer uh it, I, it, that that may have been a mistake uh, i'm oh, so now you're now you're worried now i'm worried yes <laughs> um yeah uh, i'm not <sighs> It, let me put it this way: the the thirty second one they put out during the Super Bowl got me excited to watch it, and then the full trailer, you know, went, went six to midnight on the thirty second trailer, and right the fuck back down on this one. Um, See, this will be interesting because the little bit that I talked to Andy about this before, he said the exact opposite. Yeah, I I have the, uh, the opposite feelings of it. <laughs> um. I'm hoping it proves me wrong, but it just, I don't know. 
the trailer. So what was it about the longer trailer that turned you off? The snippets about the story. Um, the, the, the Han Solo, for whatever reason, is going to sign up to be an Imperial pilot. Okay, real quick, though. How much do you know about his original, quote-unquote now, uncanon backstory? Not a lot. I didn't read a lot of the old Han Solo stuff. So, from what I understand, before the the novels and books, all that stuff that came out prior to the Disney acquisition, um, I've mentioned it before, all that stuff is now considered non-canon. They might cherry-pick some stuff, and if they put it in, in novels and movies and all that stuff now... It becomes official when it's part of the part of the lore. Right. Um, but if I remember correctly, Han Solo's backstory started with him enlisting in the in the Imperial Academy. He was he was an Imperial, and eventually stumbled upon them using other creatures as slaves, namely Wookies, and decided he didn't want to be a part of this anymore. Freed the Wookies, and one of the Wookies he freed was Chewie. Which is why Chewie is bound to him, and that was how they became buddies and okay. running from the Empire after that. Now, everything in this trailer, I think, hints at that backstory. Yeah, that sounds... He enlists in the Academy. He says he got kicked out for having a mind of his own, which I think would come with freeing slaves. And Chewie's by his side, so I'm, I'm you know, connecting the dots there if they, if they pull that backstory. I feel like there's enough signs there to make that fit. Okay. Um. So I don't know if that helps helps you know plead my case at all to make you like this a little bit more, but that that was my last ditch effort. It brings me around a little bit. Um. I'll I'll take it. Donald Glover's hairstyle also really threw me the fuck off. Um. Lando's a space pimp. He can do whatever he wants with his hair. <laughs> Oh, man, but it just... I don't know. I don't know if he can do that. <laughs> um, I mean, you think if this movie was shot in the 70s, I could totally see him wearing something like that. Yeah, but the movies that were shot back then, he had what he had, and it was just like... And that's... You know, that... I don't know. Maybe that's part of Lando's origin story. He just He's like, man, my hair is too crazy. I gotta tone it down. <laughs> I, I I hope so. I hope that... You know, and that's part of the character arc. You, you'll see. It's 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 all in the movie. I, I <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't know where this is gonna go, and I don't know what exactly it is that about. Like, I can't nail down specifics about the trailer that really got to me, and maybe be like, <sighs> but the overall tone didn't jive with me i think is the best way i could put it okay uh andy let's get your side because i since you feel opposite what about the first trailer didn't you like and what about the second trailer the longer trailer did you like i watched the super bowl trailer first um and it was it was so uh flashy i guess they just kept like flashing a whole bunch of like really quick scenes at you that when it was over, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, I, I don't know. Just like, they didn't stick around with any, any one thing enough for me to be like, get excited about anything. You know, it was just like, okay, this is star Wars. This is blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't know. 
I hated it. And then I proceeded to watch all of the other trailers. And then, uh, and then, uh, um, you sent me that the text that said that the Super Bowl trailer was not the full trailer. We're going to talk about the full trailer. And then I watched the full trailer. Yeah. And then I got excited about it. I don't know. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was neat to see, uh, that Woody Harrelson seems to be, um, recruiting him for a crew. So it's neat, I think, to be able to see Han Solo be a part of an entire crew, uh, mm-hmm. for a ship instead of just him and Chewie. Nothing wrong with that because him and Chewie, I mean, legendary. Um, I didn't know that, um, oh god, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Is Amelia this? Clark. Amelia Clark, yes. She's going to be in this. I did not know that. And that was pretty cool. Um, and, and I, I kind of like the, the plot of, uh, kind of what Brian laid out where he was, uh, you know, Imperial and, Save Chewie and all that. But it looks like there's a little bit more going on than that as far as what they're doing with the crew. I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of betrayal within that crew, which leads him to be on his own. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the event that Jabba alludes alludes to in A New Hope, where they were you know, trying to um, smuggle something, Han came across the Imperials, dumped the shipment, and then got on the run and got a bounty on his head. That's reasonable. I feel like there's there's even some footage of, like, because he's definitely driving some sort of cargo, driving, he's definitely flying some sort of, like, cargo ship, which looks like he dumped something in one of the shots and veers off. So... Again, if I'm piecing what I know of Han Solo's backstory together, that's what I'm pulling from that shot. I'll buy it. So, yeah, I mean, this is all speculation on my part, so we'll see if I'm right when the time comes, but that's that's me digging into it a little bit. Do you guys... And this was something I'm not sure how I feel about it, but, uh, I mean, overall, I think I like the trailers. I think I, I like them more than I expected to, because I I was still worried about this, depending, just from all the the behind-the-scenes sort of drama and how quickly Ron Howard had to come in and try to salvage this thing. I wasn't sure how it was going to look. I think it looks pretty. Like, the visuals, I think, and and the way it's shot, I think, are are pretty cool. It looks better than I thought. Maybe it's something I didn't expect Ron Howard to be... Like, if if you wouldn't have told me Ron Howard shot this movie, I don't think I would have figured that out. Um... And I, I think that's probably good because I, I, I definitely think it it feels like a Star Wars movie more in more in line, I think, with Rogue One with that classic trilogy kind of style. But it still feels kind of new. Um, How much of this did Ron Howard actually shoot? Uh, it's debatable, I think. Yeah, that, that may I not think... be something we ever get a true answer to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering, like, what of that trailer was an actual like Ron Howard not Phil Lord, Chris Miller shot. Yeah, I don't... I, it might come down... I don't know whether they're gonna... See, I don't I don't know what the rules are as far as, like, the like the Director's Guild or something like that. Like, if... If, so if a director is let go or fired from a, from a movie, do they still have to use some of the footage that they shot? 
And do they still get director credit? Like, is this going to be a Ron Howard directed movie and still get Phil Lord, Chris Miller in the credits somewhere? But I always thought it was like, if the replacement comes in and directs more than 50% or 70% of the movie, then they're the, they can get the sole credit. But that might go out the window again if, if you're just coming in to replace someone as opposed to coming in to replace someone that was fired. That might be a different somewhere in the legalese of it. Because um, I think that was the whole thing. I don't know. Because I think I was going to say it was, I think that was the whole thing with Justice League. But I think Joss didn't want director credit. I think he wanted Zack Snyder's name on there. So he didn't take any director credit even though he probably could have. So yeah, I don't know. It's all confusing to me. Maybe I'm just... It might not make a difference in the in the long long run, but yeah, depending on what you read, you know, Howard came in and shot like eighty percent of this movie. Um, I don't considering Lucasfilm didn't like a lot of what the Lego guys, whatever they did. Um, I'm guessing they threw a lot of that out. So I I would I would bet Ron Howard came in and shot the majority of this movie, seventy five eighty percent, if not more, and I think he they did it quickly. I feel like it might have been three weeks to a month, and they they finished filming. So I don't know whether or not I'm sure they have reshoots planned. I don't know when the reshoots are, but I'm sure they'll they'll have that somewhere in there. Um, I got distracted, but one thing that kind of threw me, and I want to see what you guys thought. How do you feel about uh, Alden Enreich, like his voice for Han Solo? Mm. I think I was kind of expecting like almost an impersonation of Harrison Ford. And I don't think it is that, so I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sure. Like I, I'm gonna want to hear how it feels in the movie itself before I complain too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, this was my concern the whole time was that this was not going to feel like Han Solo, and that replacing yeah. a character in the Star Wars universe with somebody with a different actor completely to play them. I wasn't. I was never sure about that decision, and it still worries me. That's the thing. I think like the his mannerisms and stuff like that. I think feel Han Solo to me, and I think he looks the part. It's just his his, his voice. I don't know if it's just because you know Harrison Ford's voice and delivery is just ingrained in my head for Han Solo. That just hearing someone else speak the lines as the character is weird to me. I think, or, it, or it pulls me out of it or something, maybe. I don't right. know. I think I need a bigger sample size to actually make a decision on that. Yeah, that's it's, fair. It's, it's tough to say from the first trailer, but um, the first thing I heard him say, I was like, that sounds like Han Solo, and then the next thing I heard him say, I was like, that doesn't sound like Han Solo. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of like, my seesaw is not one way or the other. It might be like that the whole movie, too, for all we know. Like you might be just having those moments of like, yeah, this is totally Han Solo, and then no, this is this is not Han Solo. Honestly, I I, I hope I'm not feeling after the movie like I wish they had kung fu'd it and had Harrison Ford record the voice, and <laughs> just said screw it, let's just kung fu, dub it and go for it. Yeah, really terrible ADR. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the the Falcon design that we see? The brand new, brand spanking new Millennium Falcon. I like getting to see it in that state. I think that's a, you know, like we've seen it old and decrepit and The Force Awakens, you know, covered up and needing repairs and getting the opposite of that 
now, I think is just a nice treat. Well, this is what kind of kills me is that in the 30-ish year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, the Falcon, I feel like, looks pretty much the same. In the, at most, 20-year gap between probably this movie and A New Hope, this ship goes to shit. So what the hell happened? There can't be a 20-year gap between this and A New Hope, though. I said at at most. I'm guessing probably more around 10 years. I was going to say like two, like two to five. Like Han Solo is supposed I mean, to yeah, be that pretty might be damn young in A New Hope. He's not supposed to be. Still, like, even that just even brings my point home a little bit harder. Like there, there's not a lot of time in between probably this movie and A New Hope. So what the hell happens to this brand new ship? Maybe the Kessel Run uh, took some damage on the ship. I mean, don't we find out in Bloodline that Han, like before everything was racing a lot? Yeah, and you get you get snippets of that in here. That and I think that might be part of it too. Is like this might be like the first big race maybe that he's a part of because I think in Bloodlines he was sort of like overseeing whatever this. Yeah, yeah, he was like the commissioner or something. Like he was in charge yeah. of it. Whereas he used to compete, so I'm guessing this is some something along those lines, and maybe that's how the Millennium Falcon gets all dinged up. Yeah, I think the only guess that I have as to why it goes to shit is that probably it literally crashes. Could be. And it just takes everything he has to salvage it and make it what it is by the time we see it. Or maybe we find out that Lando put a shiny polish, like he polished a turd, maybe. And no. Han sipped it polish, up. You can't polish a turd, but you can roll it in glitter. <laughs> it you, does look you know, shiny. That's that. That is true. You can roll it in glitter, but they did do the polishing a turd on MythBusters. <laughs> Turns out it's pretty gross, but you can do it. <laughs> and maybe that's the Millennium Falcon's case. Maybe you know Lando is a swindler, so he's probably trying to maybe he did like the used car salesman thing. You know, shine <laughs> it up, try and get rid of it because he knows it's shit, and then gets Han to like over gamble on it. Over like overestimate its value and gamble on it, and he's willing to use it. Yeah, as I really want to see. I really want to see what happens with that too, because at least in the old canon, Lando had the Falcon, and Han won it from Lando. I think basically in a in a game of cards. Was yeah, how it was he in got Sabacc. It. Yeah. yeah, in the old canon, it was Sabacc. I mean, it's still. I mean, it's Empire Strikes Back canon that he got it from Lando. Yeah, they allude to that, so it's that has to be. You would think it has to be explained at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be if you're having Han and Lando, and Lando, I've seen still frames like Lando in the still frames from the trailer is piloting the Falcon. It's not Han; okay. it's Lando that's in the pilot seat. So, yeah, if you're gonna have the Falcon in this movie and you're gonna have Lando piloting it, there needs to be a discussion of how it changes hands. Yeah, I am looking forward to that too. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to finally see it on screen. I think that'd be fun. Yes, and I am very much looking forward to Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando Calrissian. I love me some Donald Glover. He has yet to disappoint me in a lot of stuff he's in, so I am definitely looking forward to that. That's actually probably the thing I'm looking forward to most in this movie. Is seeing his because I, I really think he's going to kill it. I think so too. Um, alright, anything else uh, we want to touch on for Solo? We got two more to get through. Nope. 
All right. Who I lost track. Who picked the last one? Andy can pick. Andy no, did. Andy can pick this one. I did the last okay. one. You got two to choose from, Andy. Deadpool or Mission Impossible. Which one are we going to go for? Uh, we'll go with um, this message will self-destruct in 60 seconds. <laughs> All right, so we're going Mission Impossible. So this is Mission Impossible 6, right? Yeah, which is now titled Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, so again, we're looking for this one. We're looking at the two and a half minute trailer that was released online right after the 30 second TV spot was on during the Super Bowl. Uh, so if you haven't been following along, this is the movie that is responsible for Henry Cavill's Superman mustache fiasco. Mm-hmm. That um, disappointed me, by the way, seeing that for the first time. Yeah, his, his mustache. I was hoping it was a Selleck, not a beard with a mustache <laughs> present. Kind of thing. Like, I was hoping it was a full-on Selleck mustache. Yeah. I mean, maybe... I don't know. There was, I felt like there were some shots where it looked like a pretty good, bushy mustache, and then other times it looked like it was still coming in. I just made like he had beard around it, is what I'm saying. Like, he, it wasn't... Uh, right. It yeah. wasn't just that clean-shaven, but bam, there's, there's the bristles. You know? <laughs> You're still looking for that porn stuff? Yeah. Like, I thought that would have been hilarious <laughs> to see that. And then, like you said, see that uncut Justice League with him having that mustache. Oh, yeah. I, I It would be great. But. Uh, all right, Andy, since you picked this one, what do you think? What did you think of the trailer? I'm confused. <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of uh, Mission Impossible's MO is to kind of confuse you and tie it all together at the end. So, um, are you caught up in Mission Impossible movies? You've seen the last couple? I believe so. Rogue Nation and okay. Ghost Protocol? Might have missed Ghost Protocol, but I saw Rogue Nation. Okay. Well, you're costing yeah, I think yourself. Rogue Nation is. I mean, Rogue Nation is definitely the lead in for this one. Yeah. They, they, the villain from Rogue Nation is in this trailer, and. So they're definitely connecting the dots to that one. So that, that I mean, if you're going to pick between the two, I guess that's a good one to see before Fallout. But Ghost Protocol is still really good too. Yeah. Okay. Um. So go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, it looks like Tom Cruise is running again. Um, <laughs> Don't forget, which is screaming. what we expect from Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, he's doing all kinds of the the crazy super spy Mission Impossible stuff that he used to seeing him do <laughs> so I mean it seems like they've still got their uh, algorithm and they're playing it out it still amazes me I think how this franchise is now six movies in and I feel like they've probably only really had sort of like one dud I think all the other five movies are awesome okay so are you calling two or three the dud two because I call two and three duds personally See, three is still one of my favorites. Okay. Was three the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes. I did like that one. I think that's the only one. I mean, Rogue Nation, I think, did it a little bit too, but three, I think, was the only one to balance a pretty good spy story with also giving Ethan Hunt some sort of character arc. Every other one, I don't think Ethan Hunt goes through any types of real changes. He's just a spy the whole time that has to do a mission, and that's it. And I and I like that about him, though. Because he's a super spy, and I would rather him be mysterious. 
Yeah, I mean, that helps just churn them out, like, one after the other, where they don't really have to connect and stuff, like, almost like James Bond used to do. Right, and that, exactly. Like, James Bond could have no arc whatsoever. He bangs what he wants to bang, he shoots who he wants to shoot, and fuck you, and that's my story, and that's James Bond. And I have no problem with that being Ethan Hunt at the same time. Okay. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I think... My personal opinion is there was so much going on in this trailer that... It just, it's meant to take you for a loop and leave you having no idea what just happened in the trailer. But know that there's going to be this cool shot of him falling down a rope out of a fucking helicopter onto God knows what. Gonna be some fallout. Uh, (laughs) Andy, do you agree with Mike with this for, for there should be like little to no continuity between these movies? Is that better for you? Do you enjoy them more that way? Um... As much as I like uh, the whole, like, um, bang, what I want to bang, shoot, do I want to shoot, and fuck it, that's, that's who I am. I, I think it, it adds a little bit of lore to Ethan Hunt and the, the whole series if he does have some sort of an arc to it. Um, it it's kind of like uh, watching uh, new James Bond movies where the, the four movies have sort of an arc. Which I, I think adds a little bit of uh, depth to the character that uh, keeps me wanting to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, obviously, I think James Bond purists don't like that. As far as, as far as I've read, like online and stuff like that. But I do kind of dig when when everything kind of connects and makes. Not. I don't. Know, granted, I don't know if the, all those James Bond movies make sense if you try watching them all back to back. I think it's a lot of retconning there, but. Um, I think the Mission Impossible movies have done a pretty good job of building upon the last one and still having it connect and make sense and stuff like that. Um, and even like it doesn't even have to be the like a main part of the story. I guess like three was about him trying to settle down and get married. Four was sort of like why it didn't work, and you get a cameo from his wife. And Rogue Nation didn't really have too much to do about any of that stuff. But still, now this one connects to to Rogue Nation, and I, it sounds confusing now that I'm talking it out <laughs> loud and trying to connect the dots that way. But if you've seen the movies, you know what I'm talking about. I th- it works when you watch them. I'm just doing a terrible job of trying to explain it. I, I Part of the reason I feel the way I feel about that is that any time you get past that three-movie barrier, keeping a story arc for something like this going becomes very difficult. Um, like maintaining that same arc and keeping it interesting. Well, that's the thing. I think the the arc of Ethan really only happened in the third movie. I don't think he's he's had much of character development. I think now, granted, that could change in this one because it seems like they could play it like all the other movies have led to this movie type of thing. It's sort of the sense I'm getting. Like he's gone through all these missions and been disavowed and on his own, and and finally comes to a head and as far as the trailer is concerned I feel like he gets a mission that he doesn't want to take or disagrees with the mission he's on and finally tries to I don't know do something else. see and that's the thing like you think back to like every other Mission Impossible movie and it's starting to turn out like the James Bond movies where like every fucking time James Bond or in this case Ethan Hunt has to go rogue and goes off on his own and is like not involved with the agency that they work for 
seems like every one of Daniel Craig's James Bond movies, he's like gone rogue or on his own. And even like all the other, like Mission Impossible 1 was a mole hunt, so Ethan's on his own. Two, I think by the end of the movie, he had he had gone against, no, that's, no, I'm thinking three. Two, two he was part of the, he was working in tandem with his team and sanctioned missions and all this. Okay, so two might actually be the one where he actually follows orders and does what he's supposed to do. Three, he goes against his, uh, the, the, uh, IMF to get, to basically save his wife. Mm-hmm. Four, Ghost Protocol, uh, what, the IMF basically gets disbanded, so they're on their own. Yeah. Rogue Nation, he's obsessed with hunting down this ghost organization, so he's on his own. This one still makes me think he's on his own, but I guess it seems like there's a different reason for him being on his own, so I... It does seem repetitive, I guess, but at the same time, I fucking love these movies, and I can't get enough of them, and I think they're all fucking fantastic. Except maybe the second they, one. But... They're fun. I think if you try yes. and delve too deep into the lore, you're gonna end up walking in circles. Um, yeah. They, okay, I can see that. But if you just go into Mission Impossible saying, this is gonna be a fun time, you're gonna have a good time. I mean, I've never... Yeah, you just want a popcorn action movie. This is still, I think, the best. I think these are getting better than, like, the Fast and Furious movies used to be that bar, and I think these are better than that. I think they always have been, personally. Yeah. Uh, what I like about these action movies is they have a, a really... They usually have a really nice whodunit twist to them, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it keeps you guessing while they're throwing you all these intense action explosion type scenes which is really cool yeah um and i did love the uh imagine dragons mission impossible theme mashup during this trailer i was really fucking digging that that was something that gave me trouble you didn't oh you didn't like that i mean even though mission impossible 2 was what it was you're just not gonna like you just need to let it go limp biscuit did it already like they got it (laughs) like i you know it is bad like I don't like Mission Impossible 2, but the soundtrack from that movie is epic. Yeah. And... (sighs) Well, it's not like Imagine Dragons did... Like, this isn't... I'm sure this isn't a song you're going to hear in the movie. I think they're just using it for the marketing. Because it's definitely... The Imagine Dragons song that they use, Friction, is on one of their albums, and they just overlaid it. Like, like played the Mission Impossible theme over top of it because it fits so well. Right. And the fact that it fits so well, the way the trailer was cut, I really like that. Yeah, I think that's probably why I didn't, I wasn't so enthusiastic about it. Is it didn't, like, to me, that is an iconic thing for Mission Impossible. And the least amount that you fuck with it, the better. Okay, fair enough. You're wrong, but fair <laughs> enough. I uh, I don't think I paid much attention to the to the music in the trailer. I'll have to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's they hint at it a little bit. I think during the like the bathroom fight sequence that they start showing, and I think right after that part of the trailer, it's still you you hear a lot more um, of the Imagine Dragon song, but you still get a little bit of the din 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 like over top of that. I thought I heard a couple of those overtones. Yeah, it, yeah, it was there. I just feel, like I said, for me, there wasn't enough of that. That bathroom sequence. Fair enough. Uh, did it seem to you guys like they were almost 
superhumanly strong. Like wall, Some, wall, yeah, somebody doesn't build bathrooms like they walls used to. Walls were breaking, and and like people were getting thrown through full entire walls. And stuff. I feel like I felt that way in Mission Impossible movies before, though. With the <laughs> like some of the fights that he gets into, where the physics is just way out of whack. Yeah, and, I feel like one of them yeah. throws the other one into like one of those like half walls, like half like brick or stone walls, and like the wall like. Crumbles. <laughs> crumbles. It's like, well, no, the human should be crumbling there. Uh, okay. <laughs> that That's the old, you know, can you put an egg through a brick wall if you get it going fast enough? And the answer is no. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... Well, the, you know, it comes down to all the, the movie rules and stuff like that. In reality, his shoulder would be broken. But we still need him to fight ten other people. So we, let's just break the wall instead. Yeah. I mean... It, and I'm fine with that. I think like it all. I think that sequence looked fucking cool. And oh, it does. When oh, Henry, it does. Henry Cavill and like shakes off his shoulders and just starts beating a piss out of somebody. Yeah, I thought that looked awesome. No, it too. looked really cool. It just like I was like, whoa! Like, is this a Superman movie? <laughs> I, I think part of that. I mean, Henry it does Cavill. feature Superman. Yeah, I was gonna say like he's in there. And, <laughs> like half the time you're expecting like, oh great, Superman's gonna punch somebody. Like, and you're expecting like them to fly back a thousand feet, and you're like, oh. It's just a normal punch. He threw more punches in this trailer than he does in the fucking Superman movie. It's true. But that's not a bad thing. Like, maybe that's Henry Cavill's places in an action movie like this. You know? I really, I think uh, Man from U.N.C.L.E. gets a bad rap, but I really like that movie. And he's in that one, too. It was an okay movie. I I, I, I thought that was really good. So I like that one. Check it out. Um, did you guys catch the scene too where uh, Tom Cruise broke his ankle? That was in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. No. No, he like like the actor legitimately broke his ankle in the scene. Yeah, doing a stunt in the movie, oh. which they show in the trailer. Oh no. Where he's jumping across to the other building and he like hangs on to the top of it. He rams his foot into the side of the building and that's where he broke his ankle. Hmm, really interesting. Yeah. So I think they're keeping that in a movie. So every time you see that scene, you can be like, yep, that's where he busted that's his real pain. That's, that's real pain. That's real pain on his me, face. That's going to make me cringe then. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, anything else for Mission Impossible Fallout? Nope. All right, so that leaves us with Deadpool 2. Um, now this is something I forgot too when I was just watching the trailer, that they moved the date up. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a week after Solo, and now they moved it up to a week before Solo. So this is happening right in between Infinity War and Solo in May. So May is going to be a busy month. Holy hell. Yeah, the theaters me. are licking their chops for May. They are looking forward to the influx of cash. Um, yeah. Although I don't know how much I like that move just for its box office possibilities. It's a little bit still too close to Infinity War. Um yeah, that's and still that, going to be charging hard at that point. And that was still a Fox decision. This is still, yeah, because I think the the legalese, from what I understand, for for the deal between Disney and Fox to happen, it might take twelve, eighteen months for that to be legalized, like for lawyers to to comb over all the paperwork and stuff to make it final. Yeah. 
So until it's final, Disney can't make any decisions as far as the characters and movies and whatever else Fox is doing. So these are still Fox decisions. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. The, the, the date move, I, I don't know about. But, I, like, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand the logic in doing it. Like, Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely going to make money. But I'm with you. I think it would make more money after Solo. Yeah, g- give it, like, two, three weeks after Solo and put it there. And, and let it stand on its own away from these movies just to make more money. If it's the only big thing going on at the theater when you release it, it's going to make a lot of money. Because it's Deadpool. Everybody loved right. it. Yeah. If you sandwich it between a Star Wars and the biggest Avengers movie yet... So I don't even know how much they're expecting, like Disney is expecting Solo to make. I thought I've read that they're expecting it not to do very well. So, I mean, if you just gave Solo the opening weekend, which is probably going to be big regardless, and then the second weekend after that, then put out Deadpool, I think that's where it's going to make money. Yeah. Um, As far as the trailer goes, the the trailer's hilarious, and that's encouraging. Yes. Um, Because the trailer is funny. But I am extremely hesitant on cable and what they're doing with cable here. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about cable after watching this trailer. It. What turned you off from cable? Well, is it Josh Brolin or is it character design portrayal? What are they? I think a little bit of all here? of it. Um. Because it shows him, like, in the trailer, we see a lot of hand-to-hand combat for Cable. Which was never the case for Cable. Cable was a big brute, but Cable used guns, and he had telekinesis and telepathy. He didn't really get in there and punch people a whole lot. Um, Yeah. And the idea that his arm is just a... I don't know what they what term he used, but it, it, the idea that his arm was metal just because it was a robotic arm type of thing, as opposed to the techno organic virus that's eating Cable alive, I think could cause problems for me if it's not there, because that is the only reason that Cable isn't the most powerful being the planet has ever seen, is because his telekinesis is holding that virus at bay. As much as it can. And... Okay. To take that techno-organic virus away means, to me, that the character should end up at a power level that is really beyond punching someone. Fair enough. So, but, like I said, trailer, still hilarious. Just what are they going to do with it in film? Because I feel like this trailer you see very little of actual in-film stuff, and it's more... You know, Ryan Reynolds having fun with it and fucking around with some toys. You know, why not? Which I guess is sort of what I expect. Like, I expect the marketing just to to lean into that as much as they did with the first one. Yeah. And I do kind of like that the, this trailer still doesn't tell me any... I, I have still have no idea what the story is about, which is good. I, I would rather go in surprised to see where this goes. So I'm cool with that. And like I said, I think this marketing team's killing it. I The tone for this trailer fits exactly what the first one was, which I love. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where I, 
I guess I'm not as invested with Cable as you are, so I really didn't have a problem with what they're doing so far. But again, I didn't see too many hints of one way or the other what they're trying to do, so we probably won't know until the full movie. Um, Andy, where do you stand? Uh, I'm very much intrigued about it. Uh, I thought that the lack of Colossus was a little troubling. I thought that would be good oh, okay. to have him come back. I did see that uh, Super... Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, that one <laughs> um, was in it. And I think they we caught us a real quick snippet of Domino, too. Yes. Um, yeah. Real quick. Yeah. But um, She's in there twice, I think. Once jumping out of like, a plane. and like, It was very flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I don't. I'm not a huge cable fan either, but uh, I mean, sometimes you just gotta punch someone. <laughs> I I agree. Here's the thing: like, <laughs> my my favorite comic book series is the Cable and Deadpool series. It's it, like I read that. I don't know a few times a year. I read the forty to. 50 some odd issues that are there I it's legitimately a couple times a year that I will sit and go through that and that whole storyline follows along a really different tone than what I feel like this is going for where Cable has become kind of like a savior of the world but he through some way shape or form the teleporter that Deadpool uses and the um, body slide mechanic teleporter that Cable uses become intertwined. So every time Cable uses his teleporter, he pulls Deadpool wherever he goes. Like Deadpool can be doing God knows what, anything, and just get snagged along for the ride with Cable. <laughs> but Cable is playing like a world messiah role. He, like he's recreating world peace based on his own power. And I don't know. It just kind of it'll be interesting to see where it goes because I don't think this movie's going anywhere near that scope. But yeah. the difference in tone between the two of them I think will be there. I just don't know how it's going to be played. Like I think they're going more Terminator style cable than cerebral like cable was always a cerebral type is the best way i could put it he was a thinker who had the capability to take action but didn't have to do it often so gotcha okay but like i said i see this going more terminator route where he just kicks the shit out of everything in his path yeah yeah, I mean, plot-wise, I mean, even the, sh- the shots that they show of, uh, from the movie, it seems like it's still present day in the same area as Deadpool 1 was. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, unless they're saving, like, all the time-hopping stuff that could happen with Cable. Well, he does mention the time Which, travel in the trailer. He does talk about, like, he like Deadpool does in his voiceover of it. Right, right. But I don't know if that means they're going to do anything with it or not. That'd be a fun surprise, I think, if they just kept that under wraps and everything you see from the trailers and marketing is like present-day Deadpool 1-style stuff. And then when you finally see the movie, it features this overarching plot where they have to go to the future and save somebody or something like that. Like, that would be fun. Yeah. 
and it, they even further featured the teddy bear. Um, yeah, which, so I'm, I keep thinking Hope might be something to to go for. Yeah, that that would be it would it would be exciting and a shame at the same time that you know like they're introducing Hope and is Marvel gonna actually do anything with it when it comes to them that Deadpool's theirs in a you know say a year and a half's time. Are we going to see Hope expanded into the, you know, MCU, or is that just going to get tossed aside and they're going to use Deadpool for what they want? Yeah, I mean, we can never figure out what, it's too early to speculate what Marvel's going to do with all these properties. I assume they're going to reboot everything, like even Deadpool included, whatever Deadpool's done, they'd probably reboot. Um, I'm not saying... Although, if there is one to keep, Deadpool might be the one to do. Yeah, it's completely I mean, separated they, from... Because, I mean, even if they reboot Deadpool, I think he could make a bunch of jokes about being rebooted. Like, he'd be totally aware he's rebooted. Oh, yeah. And he could totally have fun with that. Um, But that being the case, I don't know if they'd, they'd go as far as using... Like, especially if Cable sets up Hope and Hope becomes this big overarching thing for, like, the X-Men and the X-Men universe and stuff like that. I don't think Marvel would go that far. They might do it their own way. I don't. If Deadpool sets it up, I don't know if they'd take the reins and continue that. But again, we'll have to see what happens in a couple years' time once Marvel is able to play with this stuff again. And in that time, who knows what other types of tie-ins or X-Men movies Fox might try to do or connect to Deadpool or something like that. That could still happen. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, even just because we see the teddy bear doesn't mean we're going to see Hope. I mean, Cable could still just allude to Hope being somewhere, and we never actually see Hope. Yeah. But then that could make for some good jokes, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know this is one. I think I, I, not to speak for you guys, but I think we're all looking forward to this one. Oh yeah, it was number two on my list for a reason. It it That's remains true. there. Yeah, yeah. It remains there. Even what was after, number one? Um, Infinity. Yeah, yeah, Infinity War. I think that was the one we all had number one. Yeah, it was I a unanimous. Not- I didn't. I don't think I made a list for the uh, most uh, anticipated. I don't. Oh, that's right. You weren't on that one. one. Bastard. So what? What would your number one be? Would it be Infinity War? Probably. I mean, I would have to like sit down and see what's coming out and whatnot. But probably. Still stands true. We all agree. Infinity War is the most anticipated for 2018. Yeah, I think it was pretty. Unanimous across the board with Infinity War, Deadpool, and the Fantastic Beast movie. Oh yeah, that one might actually use it. That don't you do it, Andy? We're unanimous. We're we're united. We were all on the same page. Uh, all right, so we've covered our five trailers. We're going to talk about uh, out of those five. You guys have a favorite? Favorite favorite trailer? Favorite trailer was the Fallen Kingdom trailer. Yeah, if we're talking favorite trailer. It completely yeah, not movie you're anticipating. What is what was the yeah, favorite out of these trailers? The Fallen Kingdom uh, trailer completely reversed my thought process on seeing the movie. Uh, the first trailer was like, meh, if I have time <laughs> and I'm free and I'm bored, I'll go see it. Now I'm like, Ooh, I want to go see that. I would I would agree with that. Fair enough. Yeah, if we're just talking trailer, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think for me. It it made my list the most anticipated up until the Super Bowl. I hadn't seen any footage from it. Mission Impossible, I think, is still my favorite out of these. Okay, that was also a very good trailer. So. 
Yeah, they they know how to market those movies. Like I'm, I I get hyped every time I see trailers for those Mission Impossible movies, and I have not been disappointed by the last couple. I think they've they've been really fantastic. So I'm this one's, of course, that runs the risk. I'm really excited for this one. So <laughs> if it if it even drops below a little bit, I might walk out going, eh, it was okay. Yeah. But I guess we'll we'll have to revisit all these once they all release, and we can finally talk about them in depth. Do you think this is going to be a bookend for Mission Impossible? You think this is going to be the last one? I think Tom Cruise is going to keep making them as long as he can. Okay. Uh, I'm a little actually. I didn't even mention it when we talked about it, but I'm a little bummed Jeremy Renner's not in this one. Yeah. I think he was tied up shooting Avengers movies, so he couldn't make it for this one. But you know, a couple movies ago, I think it was Tom Cruise was supposed to surrender the franchise to him. Now Tom Cruise is still sticking around and making these movies, so it wasn't Renner might be done. Wasn't Simon Pegg missing from one of the last two? Uh, he was in the last. No, he was in both of the last two. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. then yeah, losing Jeremy Renner is a big shot. If they had Simon Pegg the whole time too, then I don't know what to say. Yeah, I'm hoping Renner comes back if they make other ones. But if Tom Cruise keeps hogging the spotlight from him for this franchise, I don't know if if Renner's gonna keep wanting to play just the guy that shows up every now and again to do a couple lines and doesn't even get too much action anymore. Wasn't Renner supposed to take over the Bourne? Too. <laughs> yeah, so he's basically been screwed out of two right? franchises. <laughs> big franchises, you know, like big spy type franchises. The dude can't win. Feel for him. And he still can't get his fucking Hawkeye TV show that it, people keep pulling for. I don't want that to happen. I want to keep him in the movies. I mean, if they did a Hawkeye TV show, I would not be disappointed. I mean, I would, I'd like to see what he does with that kind of material. I would watch it, but I'd rather him get his own movie than a TV show. How about a double movie, kind of like Ant-Man and Wasp? You could do, like, Hawkeye and Black Widow. Yeah, that'd be fun. Black Widow and Hawkeye. Whichever sounds better. <laughs> yeah, we could do a throwback and see what happened in Budapest. Yeah. Yeah, they talked yeah, about it. I'd, I'd watch yeah, that. Be cool. See some of the bread in her ledger. <laughs> <laughs> see? We should just... Uh, Marvel. We said it before. Marvel just needs to hire us. We can do all this shit for them. We can. We'll figure it out. We'll make some good movies for him. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. Any any one of you ten people that listen work for Marvel. Throw throw our name in the bin. It'll it'll work. Uh, all right. So I think that's it for us. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show wherever you decide to listen to us at. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and see Super Friends, or go to Facebook.com/slash Bry Guy Super Friends. And you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff on Facebook. Or you can email us, bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com. Or tweet us on Twitter at BGSuperFriends on there. Uh, That is it. I don't know what we'll do next week. If we'll have a show next week, we'll see what comes up. Uh, On behalf of Andy, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.